0: And now, for the
1: show reflecting on classic radio Hollywood 360 with your host, Carl Lamar. Who's that
2: strange looking man behind That's Carl. Cool. I met him at the laundry, man. Sam,
3: sweetheart.
2: I don't know what to do, Rabbi. Every night he listens to the radio. I can't keep him away. The
4: Lone Ranger, uh, the Shadow, the Master Avenger.
1: This is not good. It tends to induce bad values, false dreams, lazy habits.
5: Want to hear the
6: most annoying sound in the world? (laughs) Guys! 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 Fellas, did we could listen to the radio or something?
7: Hello everyone, I'm Carl Amari and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360 will conclude the Bob Hope Show with guest Judy Garland from 1939. Then, it's a detective adventure with the most famous of all Manhunters, Nick Carter, master detective starring Lon Clark from 1948. By my side is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? What's up, Carl? We've been enjoying this Bob Hope radio show, right? Judy Garland is guest. Let's go back to it now. Let's go back to a broadcast date. March 7, 1939, here's the conclusion to The Bob Hope Show.
5: Well, I hardly know what to say. Imagine meeting my fan face to face.
4: But, Mr. Hope, it's, it's
2: not that. It's, it's deeper than that. You see, well, you're my crush. You're my dream man, you're my Prince Charming
5: Now wait a minute, Snow White Let's not have a scene, after all I may be just a passing fancy in your life
2: Oh no, Mr. Hope, this is the real thing It's lasted almost two whole days
5: Gosh, and in Hollywood, too
2: Oh, you men are all alike Always joking Why, I don't think you even know what it means to have a crush on somebody
5: Oh, don't I? How do you think I felt last week when they told me Hetty Lamar had lope with someone else?
2: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't know. I suppose you feel you just ought to go out and jump off a cliff and end it all.
5: Well, I want to have a long talk with Madeline Carroll first.
2: <laughs> oh, well. Ne- never mind them, Mr. Hope. I'm not like other girls. I'm willing to take you just as you are. Isn't that just too wonderful? Oh. <sighs>
5: But, Judy, look, I'm flattered. I'm glad that you told me, only... Only what? Well, do you think I'm your type?
2: Oh, Mr. Hope, I know I'm not worthy of you, but you don't have to love me right away.
5: But, Judy, I mean, after all, I'm not exactly...
2: Oh, I might have known it. Are you somebody else's crush?
5: Well, not exactly, but, well, there there are some strings attached.
2: Oh, then you are someone else's crush.
5: Well, I was, but she married me.
2: Gee, that's awful. But I can go right on having a crush on you, can't I? From a distance, I mean.
5: Judy, with so many other handsome men in Hollywood, why did you have to pick on me?
2: (laughs) Well, you see, Mr. Hope, it was like this. First, I picked out Clark Gable to have a crush on. But I had too much competition. He didn't appreciate me.
5: Oh, well, what could you expect from that tap dancer? (laughs)
2: crush on Robert Taylor, but I guess I had too much competition there, too. And after Robert Taylor, all there was left was a choice between you and Tyrone Power.
5: Tyrone Power. Beauty versus beast.
2: (laughs) And I picked you. I guess I was tired of competition. Yeah. (laughs) I guess so. Oh, Mr. Hope. You're wonderful. Say you'll be the man of my dreams.
5: But, Judy, really, I'm not the kind of man for you. I'm not good enough for you. Well, I pull little dogs' tails, and I take candy away from babies. And once I gave a canary a hot foot.
4: (laughs) Oh, You're so brave and masterful.
5: Well, maybe I am on the surface, but underneath I'm a no-good guy, Judy. Take my word for it. Hope is a louse oh,
4: But you're a good louse yeah. <laughs> No,
5: Judy, it's no use We couldn't get along together
2: Then you're you're turning me down?
5: Oh, don't take it so hard, Judy None of the others did
2: All right You don't have to tell me I know It's the old, old story It's the woman who pays I'm sorry I bothered you Now, I know how Greta Garbo felt when Robert Taylor left her in Camille. But don't worry about me, Mr. Hope.
4: I'll recover. Time is a great healer.
5: Say, Judy, can a cad say a few words in his own defense before you go? Tell me, why don't you have a crush on someone near your own age?
2: Well, most of the boys I know think I'm only an in between you know, not old enough to be a glamour girl and too old to go around with dolls.
5: <laughs> well, I hope I'm never too old to go around with dolls, but you know...
2: <laughs>
5: you know, Judy, I've been having the same trouble you've had. Tell me, do you think I'm old enough for Carol Lombard?
2: Well, of course. Hmm,
5: And I guess she has some other reason.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Gee, that's too bad. Well, so long, Mr. Hope. I've got to go now.
5: Judy, you can't get away without giving us one of those garland specials.
2: Well, all right. Would you like to hear Franklin D. Roosevelt
4: Jones?
5: Would I? Let's have it.
4: Hey, Rufus Rassus Brown, spread the news around all around the town. Say it's a holiday. Stop your work and play. Hurry on your way. Tell the world about this celebration. One thing that concerns a nation. Sing the glory, hallelujah! Get Hosanna running through you! I am here to say big holiday everywhere, for the Jones family has a brand new heir. He's the joy heaven sent, and we proudly present Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones. When he walks down, he'll never will meet, with a name like the name that he got today. When he walks down the street, folks will say, please, to meet Mr. Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones. What a smile and how he shows it. He'll be happy all day
0: long. What a name. I'll bet he knows it. With that
4: handle, how can he go wrong? And the folks in the town all agree. He'll be Famous As famous as he can be How can he be a dud Or a stick in the mud When he's Franklin D. Roosevelt Jones Go to sleep, my baby And maybe You'll be a Democrat by and by Oh, you're a lucky baby With Franklin D. for your name Mrs. Jones' baby boy Is a welcome resident Give him a fishing rod for a toy He's the future president Hooray for young Franklin D. Jones Give a cheer for the babe of the year How can he a dud, or a stick in the mud, just you wait and see, he'll make history, cause he's Franklin
5: Thank you very much, Judy Garland. That really was great. And now, Bob Hope brings you his version of that popular new song hit, I Have Eyes. eyes. Bob, Bob, shh. Yes, Bill, Bob. Listen, I have a swell idea how we can both make money. No, Bill, this year I'm going to pay my income tax. (laughs) No, that, that isn't what I mean. I think we ought to become spies. Shh. Important spies Don't be silly, Bill There's no money in spying Oh, no Did you ever see A house detective on relief? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess spying Is a good racket If you don't lose your head You can be famous, Bob <laughs> Really, you can be famous Think of the great spies In history Think of Mata Harry. Ah, oh, yes Mata Harry. And think of Nathan Hale And Jonathan Daly And Benedict Arnold I can't, Bill Why not? I'm still thinking Of Mata Harry. <laughs> But really, Bill, I couldn't be a spy. I don't know how to act. Bob, let's leave your picture work out of
0: this.
5: (laughs) All right, Bill, I'll go into the spy racket with you, but I'll have to get a spy suit. A spy suit? What's that? Oh, it's nothing. You just go out with a bloodhound and a black coat and vest. And what pants? The bloodhound. (laughs) Well, come on, Bob. Let's get busy. Okay.
4: The Hope and Goodwin Spy Salon, a snitch in time, pays the rent. (laughs) What's that? Uh, Hope and Goodwin very good at shadowing people in dark alleys Well, I should say so They're real slinkers No, I said slinkers (laughs) Okay, uh, just a minute It's for you, Cheese
5: Cheese, Patsy, that's Chief Take the script and read
4: it That's Cheese Take the script and smell it (laughs) (laughs)
5: That's cheese I'll take the script And eat it Hello Uh,
8: This is Spy Number 1X Reporting from Africa, Chief
5: Greetings, Spy 1X Where's Spy 2X? Isn't he with you?
8: No, Chief The cannibals had 2X for breakfast
5: (laughs) (laughs) Come in Hello Hello Say, Bill Look, she's beautiful What grace Yeah, what form What telephone number (laughs)
9: Hello. Hello. My name is Vanya Tanya Sonya, Henya Otkronovich Babouchka. Oh, but you can call me Sookie. <laughs> well, what do you want with me? Oh, I need help. If you do not help me, I shall have to kill you. Kill me? <laughs> kill me? <laughs> yes. I-, I will shoot you or stab you or poison you. or take you in my arms and squeeze you to death. Smothering you with kisses. How would you like that?
5: I'd like Dot.
9: <laughs> <laughs> Say,
5: uh, where do you come from, Tootsie? What's good?
9: I come from the little country of Schlemilia.
0: <laughs> Schlamelia!
5: <laughs> what a small world this is.
9: Ah, yes. I shall never forget my last day in Schlemilia. Bombs bursting. People were dropping like flies. The streets were covered with blood. Oh, it was so beautiful. I can
5: see. Look, Tutsky, what can I do for you?
9: You must save me from my cousin, the ambassador from Shilmedia. Rat's face, the repulsive.
5: Well, what happens if I find him?
9: Undoubtedly, he will kill you.
5: And what happens if I don't find him?
9: Undoubtedly, I will kill you.
5: <laughs> What's in it for me?
9: Uh, either way, you'll be buried with full military honors. And then I say, Hello.
5: Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Patsy, we've got to go to the Shlemelian Embassy Right
4: Hello? Oh, it's for you, Chief For me? Hello Mr. Hope Yes? Say,
8: listen, you'll never catch me, you old spidery spy Because you're just a ham and hams can't fly
5: I asked myself this as I flit on my way Is Hope a big dope? Oh, boy, I'll say <laughs> Say, who is this? Oh, just a great big stork A stork, what are you doing here with me? Just looking over one of my mistakes (laughs) Come on, Patsy Let's go to the embassy and meet Ratface the Repulsive Here we are This looks like the embassy
4: Yeah, look at that sign Embassy of Schlemelia Office hours 1230 to 1 Treaties broken Monday, Wednesday, and Friday Uh,
5: Goodman, you stay outside And if we have any trouble with Ratface, blow up the embassy Right, Chief Are you armed? And how I'm armed to the teeth
4: Hey you better not yawn or that club will fall out.
5: Ring the bell, Patsy. Hello? Tutsky.
4: Hotsky. Runsky. No,
5: Patsy, don't run. I'm right behind you. Where's Ratface, Tutsky?
4: Here comes Ratface now. <laughs>
8: Greetings, rat, meet a diplomat.
5: <laughs> Why, it's Professor Colonna with a Bay Rum Aroma. Tell me, are you the ambassador? <laughs> ah, yes, and I'm the president, Secretary of War,
8: Navy, State, Interior, Exterior. In fact, I'm the whole Schlemiel. <laughs> I can believe that. And who is the little Wren with you? <laughs> this, this is Matta Kelly, the international spy. She loves you, Professor. Ah, my little Matter. You've made me so much gladder, and all my cares will scatter because your heart belongs to Data.
5: Professor, tell me, were you ever caught as an ambassador without portfolio? Ah,
8: yes. Briefcase, wasn't it? What has been your worst experience, Professor? Once for no reason, I was held for treason and placed against the wall to be shot. Did they shoot you? I don't know, Nave. I was blindfolded. (laughs) Will you pardon me? I feel a bomb coming on blown up the whole block. Why did you throw that bomb into the street? I love parking space.
5: (laughs) Well, Professor, your goose is cooked. Why so, Nave? I can prove that you're a traitor and have been carrying on with the enemy spies, Sonia the Snitch. What proof have you? I was in a closet and took a picture of you kissing Sonia. Here, look at the picture. What do you think of that? (coughs) Mmm, not bad. I'll take a half a dozen.
4: (laughs) Come on, come on, Hope. Let's get out of this place. This guy's a screwball. Yes, isn't he? Who said that? (laughs) <laughs> I
8: did And I apologize, Kalona. I'm sorry I insulted you Silence, I refuse to accept your apology I am a screwball Kalona. you are not I am All right, you are Oh, so you admit it Take that That's one tooth gone And that And that 3rd I'm shooting off my mouth <laughs> Come on,
5: Cassie It's nearly midnight Goodwin should be getting ready to light the fuse
4: Oh, Hey, look, look, the radio station blew up. Well, I I carried out your
5: instructions, Bob, but I told you to blow up the embassy. Embassy? Great Scott, I thought you said NBC. <laughs>
0: say, excuse me,
5: Bob, but I hear you're having Jack Oakey as your guest star next week. Yeah, and I'm really happy about that, Bill, for that great guy, great comedian Jack Oakey. And then we're going to have Patsy Kelly, Skinny Ennis in his band, our six hits and a miss, Jerry Colonna and Bob Hope. Thank you, Bill Goodwin. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is Bill Goodwin speaking. Don't forget, Pepsodent with brings you Bob Hope next Tuesday night at this same time. Good This is the National Broadcasting Company.
7: And that's the Bob Hope Show from March 7th, 1939, starring Bob Hope with special guest Judy Garland, sponsored by Pepsodent, as heard on NBC. Let's take a break. When we come back, it's Nick Carter, Master Detective. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Welcome back. I'm Carl Amari. This is Hollywood 360 across about 200 radio stations coast to coast. And it's time now for Nick Carter, Master Detective. This came to radio in 1943, lasted all the way to 1955. Good detective adventure series. It starred Lon Clark as Nick Carter. His assistant, Patsy Bowen, was played by Helen Schote and Charlotte Manson over the run. Let's tune this in. It's called The Case of the Quiet Roommate. It's from September 5th, 1948. Here's Lon Clark as Nick Carter, Master Detective.
6: New post-war old Dutch cleanser, famous for chasing dirt, presents Nick Carter, famous for chasing crime. Every week at this time, two great names are joined. As new post-war old Dutch cleanser brings you one of the most resourceful and daring characters in all detective fiction. Nick Carter, Master Detective.
10: Nick, are you going to break into this apartment?
1: I don't have to, Patsy. Sally gave me her key.
10: Oh, gee, you think of everything, don't you?
1: I try to. Okay, come on in.
10: Uh Uh-huh. Well, this is certainly a pleasant living room. Nothing sinister here.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Looks as though there are two bedrooms, too wonder whether this one is Mary's. Let's see what...
0: Oh! Great skirt! Nick!
1: This girl's been shot through the temple.
10: Oh, Nick, I wonder if she...
1: Somebody just came in the front door. It's all right, Miss Carlisle. It's...
6: And now, The Case of the Quiet Roommate. Today's adventure starring Lon Clark as Nick Carter. Brought to you by new post-war old Dutch cleanser. It's late in the afternoon, and Nick and Patsy are in the lavish office of John Fenris. President of the Fenrust Department Store.
3: I'm glad you brought Miss Bone to the store with you, Mr. Carter. She'll understand this business. You said you were being
1: annoyed by a blackmailer, Mr. Fenris.
3: Precisely. The girl who worked here until last Saturday night is trying to shake me down for a lot of money. You were involved with her? Of course not. Nothing of the sort. Then what's the trouble? Our fashion designs are being stolen.
10: Oh, you mean that the clothes sold in the Fenris store are exclusive?
3: A great many of them are, Miss Boone. Two years ago, I hired Jerry Bartlett one of the best-dressed designers in the business, to create designs exclusively for the Fenris store.
10: Well, I knew Fenris models couldn't be bought anywhere else in town. Yeah, but that's the point.
3: They can be now. Oh? The cut-rate stores have our exclusive styles at marked-down prices before we even put them on sale here.
1: That can't be very profitable.
3: Profitable? We've lost a fortune. And this girl says she knows how our fashions are being pirated and who's responsible for it.
10: And she won't tell you who it is?
3: Tell me. She has the gall to ask $2,500 for the information. And you want me to find out who's stealing your design? No. I want you to force Mary Danville to give me that information.
10: Without paying for it, you mean?
3: I have a right to know. And it's her duty to tell me without blackmailing me. I want you to scare her.
1: Scaring girls is out of my line, Mr. Fenris. You want me to investigate your problem? Time... Oh,
3: so you want to run up a lot of investigating fees, do you? Well, I won't fall for it.
1: I'm not asking you to fall for anything.
3: I'm responsible to the board of directors for every dollar I spend. It isn't my money. It's your store, isn't it? Well, it was my father's store. Now it belongs to a great many people. And they expect me to show a profit. I can't throw money away on detectives.
1: Well, it's probably just as well, Mr. Fenris. I don't think I'd enjoy working for you anyway.
3: Mr. Carter, if my secretary were here, I'd have, I'd have her show you out. Oh, we can find our way out. Come on, Betsy.
10: With pleasure. Mr. Fenris.
3: Miss Carlyle, do you think my office is a public waiting room?
10: Miss Drake isn't at her desk, and I have to see you. Just
3: the same. What you
10: do to Mary Danville is none of my business. But when you start ransacking my apartment just because... Control
3: yourself, Miss Carlyle. I've done no such thing. And
10: then if you didn't do it, you hired someone, too.
3: Your accusations are in particularly bad taste in front of outsiders, Miss Carlyle. Oh, don't worry about
1: us, Mr. Fenris. This young lady's outburst hasn't changed my opinion of you a bit.
3: I think I'd like to talk to Miss Carlisle privately, though. I forbid it. Oh, you do? I certainly do. This man's a detective, Miss Carlisle.
10: Fine. Mr. Detective, if you'll come down to the Fenros Exclusive Shop, I'd like very much to talk to you privately.
7: That's the first portion of Nick Carter, Master Detective, more after these words. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood three sixty. Now back to Nick Carter, master detective.
1: Well, I didn't imagine you'd have a private office like this, Miss Carlyle.
10: Oh yes, Mister Carter, I'm in charge of the Fenrus exclusive shop. But with a job like that, I should think you'd be afraid to antagonize Mister Fenrus. Wouldn't you hate to be fired? He won't fire me, Miss Bowen.
1: What makes you so sure?
10: Because Mr. Fenruth is the only person in the world who would have any reason for ransacking the apartment that Mary and I share. He wants the information Mary has. Hmm. Do you have it too, Miss Carlisle? No. But if I did, I'd do exactly what she's doing. I'd make him pay for it.
1: Hmm. Was the lock on your apartment door broken?
10: No, it wasn't. That somebody had been there because Mary's wardrobe trunk had been turned inside out and my room had been all torn up, too.
1: Was anything stolen?
10: Nothing of mine, and Mary says Senrus didn't find what he was after.
1: I see. Miss Carnell, you said Mary Danville hasn't told you what she knows about the fashion thefts. Are you and your roommate on friendly terms?
10: Yes, of course. I got the store to hire her, and I also saw to it that she was pushed ahead. But she still doesn't trust you enough to tell you. That is not the point. She said I'd be better off not knowing. But what she'd discovered was dynamite.
1: Look, Miss Carlisle, I don't want to alarm you, but can you get a room for yourself and Mary Danville at a hotel for a few nights?
10: Why, uh, I suppose so. Then I'd
1: do it if I were you. I wouldn't let anybody know where I was staying.
10: But everything's happened while I've been here at the store. Nobody would dare to try anything while Mary and I were at home.
1: I'm not too sure of that. Is Mary at your apartment now?
10: I think so. Why?
1: I want to talk to her, and I'd also like to examine your apartment.
10: You want me to take you there now?
1: No, I want you to line up a hotel room. Besides, Patsy and I may do better talking to Mary alone.
10: If you think so she... I
1: don't think anything yet, Miss Carlyle, except that you may not find it healthy to stay in your
10: apartment. All right, Mr. Carter, I'll do whatever you say. I can hear somebody in there, Nick. Maybe she's afraid to open the door.
1: Miss Danville, Sally Carlisle sent us. I'm Nick Carter, a private investigator. Look, Miss Danville, I know you're in there because I heard you moving around.
10: Hmm. I guess she isn't going to let us in, Nick.
1: I'm going to camp right here on your doorstep till you open this door, Miss Danville. I'm here to help you if I can. What? Well, now, you're being sensible.
9: I don't know you. What?
1: Miss Bone and I would like you to tell us what you can about your apartment being searched for you recently.
10: Sally Carlyle told us about it, Miss Danville. Nick and I are here to investigate.
1: So if you let us in.
10: Uh, I'm in a hurry right now. I have a date. Couldn't you come back some other time?
1: I'm afraid this can't wait, Miss But I can't... Talk... There's one thing I want particularly to know. Was anything stolen from your wardrobe trunk? No.
10: Miss Carlyle thinks Mr. Fenrust did the searching. So what?
1: Well, do you have any idea... Uh, look,
10: Mr. What's-Your-Name? I told you I'm in a hurry. I'm late for my date now. Is and, and... your
1: date with a gentleman friend?
10: Oh, yes, my date's with a man.
1: Then we'll just talk to you here outside your door till he arrives.
10: But I'm to meet him downstairs in the lobby.
1: Oh? Your callers meet you in the lobby, do they? Look,
10: I don't know you. Maybe you're a detective and maybe you're not. But until Sally's here to say you're okay, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm ready to leave and I'm going right now.
1: You're making a mistake, Miss Danville.
10: Maybe, maybe not. But don't try to follow me down to the lobby. If you do, I'll... I'll call the police.
1: Very well. We won't even go down in the same elevator with you. Go right ahead.
10: That's what I intend to do. Nick, aren't you going to follow her?
1: No. We're to wait here and see what she does.
10: Well, what do you expect her to do?
1: Let's see, if you were Miss Danville, would you leave two strangers standing in front of your door after a conversation like the one we've just had?
10: Why, that all depends.
1: Depends nothing. You'd meet your boyfriend in the lobby and then get right back up here to see what's going on.
10: Well, if you ask me, I don't think she has a date. You don't? No. And if she did, it wasn't with a man. Well, why do you say that? Well, she didn't powder her nose and it was shiny. And her lipstick wasn't on straight. No, Nick. I have a feeling she just wanted to get away from this apartment as fast as she could.
1: Yeah, maybe you're right. Mm. Come on, let's get inside and see what was bothering her.
10: What? Oh, Nick, you aren't going to break into that apartment, are you?
1: Don't have to. Sally Carlisle gave me her key.
10: Oh, gee, you think of everything, don't you? That's
1: right. Sir. All right, come on.
10: Right, right. Well, it's certainly a pleasant living room. Nothing sinister here.
1: Mm-hmm. Looks as though there are two bedrooms. Which one is married, Danville's?
10: Well, not this one. At least I wouldn't think so. Why not? Because the picture's on the vanity. And you'd hardly have your own picture in your room.
1: (laughs) Good girl. So Mary Danville's room must be the other one. Of course. Well, let's see what's there.
10: Great Scott! Nick! No wonder Mary wanted to get away. This
1: girl on the floor. She's been shot through the temple.
10: Nick, do you suppose... Quiet. Uh...
1: Somebody just came in the front door. Let's listen. Maybe we can hear something.
10: Okay. Who's that?
1: Who is it? Wait here, Sally. No,
10: Jerry, don't. Let's get out of here and call the police.
1: Nonsense. Whoever you are, come on out or I'll shoot. All right, Miss Carlisle, it's...
10: Oh, Jerry, you fool. That's the detective. Oh, Mr. Carter, are you hurt?
1: Not a bit, Miss Carlisle, but tell your trigger-happy friend to quit pointing that revolver at me. Oh, I'm sorry, old fellow, but I, I was nervous. After what's been happening here, you know, I... It's
10: good most people can't hit anything with a revolver. This is Jerry Bartlett, our fashion designer, Nick Carter and his secretary, Miss Bowen.
1: Uh, how do you do? I'm awfully sorry I frightened you, but I, I was excited... I thought I told you not to come back here, Miss Carlyle.
10: I know, but I got to thinking about Mary Danville and... Well, if it was dangerous for me to be here, it was dangerous for her, too. So I came up to get her. She just left a few minutes ago. Oh, I see. Well, in that case, Jerry, I suppose we might as well leave, too.
1: Run, right. Just a minute, Miss Carlyle. Did you see your roommate in the lobby just now?
10: In the lobby? No. Well,
1: there's somebody else in this apartment. In one of the bedrooms.
10: You mean you've caught our mysterious visitor? Oh, that's wonderful. But who is...
1: Suppose you take a look. That's a good idea.
10: Oh, no. No.
1: Recognize her, Miss Carlisle? Of course we recognize her. But
10: that's Mary Danville. What?
1: You mean this murdered girl is your roommate?
10: Yes. But why would anyone... Mr. Carter, you've got to catch her murderer. You've got to.
1: I think I did catch her murderer, Miss Carlyle, But I let her get away.
6: The scene is Sally Carlyle's bedroom. And Nick stares grimly at the photograph he's removed from Sally's dressing table. This is a picture of the girl who left your
1: apartment just as we arrived. Who is she, Miss Carlyle? Oh,
10: well, that's Dorothy Drake
1: she a particularly good friend of yours?
10: Well, she gave me the picture, and she stops in to see me once in a while, that's all.
1: She's Fenris' secretary, so everybody in the store tries to get in solid with her. Oh, I see. Well, I think she can give them a boost with Fenris. She really have that much influence with him? Well, if I think I'll have trouble getting Fenris to okay one of my fashion designs, I try to sell Darley on it first. If it's okay with her, he'll take it.
10: Oh, then she gets to see your designs before they're approved? Well, sure she does. Uh-huh.
1: Who else sees them? Well, Fenris, of course, and Sally here.
10: Yes, I see them, too.
1: You think this Dorothy Drake would commit murder to help Fenris? You said she was here in this apartment when you got here, didn't you? Yes, she was.
10: Well, I don't see why you let her get away.
1: She told us she was Mary Danville. We had no reason to doubt her.
10: But she doesn't look the least bit like Mary.
1: Don't forget, Miss Carlyle, I never saw Mary Danville before.
10: And we didn't find Mary's body until after Dorothy Drake had left. She must have killed Mary. All you have to do is find her. You know where she
1: lives? Sure, there's no secret about that. Over on Prince Street.
10: But she won't be there. Mary must have known that she was the fashion thief.
1: Now, just a minute, Miss Carlisle. We can't assume that she's guilty of Mary's murder or of the fashion thefts either. You and Mr. Bartlett, Mr. Fenris, all had access to the fashion designs.
10: But if she isn't guilty, why did she run away?
1: We don't know that she has run away. If she's smart, we'll find her at home. Let's see if she is smart. (laughs) Come in You don't seem surprised to see us, Miss Drake
10: I knew you'd be here after me Well, are you coming in? Thanks We are I suppose you found Mary's body We did And I suppose you expect me to say I didn't kill her Naturally And I suppose you won't believe me when I do
1: Well, you lied to us at Sally Carlyle's apartment
10: Of course I lied I was frightened I just found Mary's body
1: You mean she was dead when you went into her apartment?
10: Yes, she was.
1: And how did you get in?
10: I I I had a key. Where'd you get it? That's none of your business.
1: Solving murders is my business, Miss Drake, and unless you give me some straight answers, I'm going to escort you down to headquarters. I
10: wouldn't try that if I were you. Why not? I'll sue you for false arrest, and I'll collect.
1: You seem pretty sure of yourself.
10: You'll find out how sure I am if you try to make trouble for me.
1: You think Mr. Fenris will back you up, huh? I wouldn't count on that if I were you. No. Look, if you're going to take that attitude, Miss Drake, I'll have to show you I'm not bluffing. Come on.
10: Come on where? To headquarters. Where do you think? Now, look, you can't I do certainly
1: it. can. And if you won't come willingly with me, I'll have Sergeant Matheson of the Homicide Squad here within ten minutes. You
10: just try it and see what'll happen.
1: Very well. Where's the telephone, Miss Drake?
10: It's in the hall, Nick.
3: Fine. Call Maddie, Right.
10: You? No! Don't you dip! Walter!
3: <laughs> Mr. Carter. Well... If I were you, I wouldn't make any phone calls until I knew what I was doing.
10: Why, Mr. Fenris.
3: I won't have my secretary, myself, or the store mixed up in a murder scandal, Carter. And if you do it, I'll run you right out of business.
1: What are you doing here, Fenris?
10: He came because I called him as soon as I got away from Mary Danville's apartment.
3: Okay, now that we're back to that, Miss Drake, I still want to know why you went there. She was following orders, Carter. Your orders? Naturally. I was entitled to the information the Danville girl said she had, and I was going to get it.
10: Even if you had to steal it.
3: Her attempt to extort money from me was outside the law. You have to fight fire with fire. So you gave Miss Drake the key
1: to Miss Danville's apartment. I did. Where did you get it?
3: We have a key shop in the basement of our store. I borrowed Sally Carlisle's key from her locker long enough to have a duplicate made. Did you borrow it with Sally's permission? I told you. You have to fight... I know.
1: You have to fight fire with fire. Okay, so you had Miss Drake sneak into Miss Danville's apartment. What was she supposed to steal?
3: Mary Danville claimed she had a package of correspondence that proved the identity of the fashion thief. I wanted it. Hey, wait a minute.
1: Wait a minute. You say you sent your secretary to get the letters Mary Danville had? I did. But before she'd had any chance to let you know whether she got them or not, you called me and asked me to get them. Does that make
3: sense? It makes a lot of sense. I had no intention of hiring you. From what I'd heard about you, I was quite sure you wouldn't take the job. Suppose I'd said I would. I'd have found some excuse for not hiring you. Then why did you call me? That's really very simple, Carter. Carter. If Miss Drake had been successful in getting those letters, Mary Danville would have immediately accused me of having her apartment burglarized. But I would have been in a position to deny it. How? I could have proved that I was trying to hire a detective to get the letters for me at the very time somebody else was actually getting them. Very clever,
1: Fenris. But now you've put your secretary right on the spot.
10: He has not. I was... You
1: were in the apartment with Mary Danville's body when we found you, Miss Drake, and you admit why you were there.
10: Yes, but that doesn't mean By the that way,
1: I... did you get the letters?
10: No. When I saw Mary's body, I didn't even stop to look for them.
1: I think perhaps you did. What? I think perhaps you found them and didn't want Mr. Fenris to know you found them.
3: You're accusing Miss Drake of being the fashion thief, and that's preposterous. Mary Danville's murder is preposterous too, Fenris. But it happened. Just the same. Did anybody
1: else except Miss Drake check out at the store just
3: before the murder? Yes. Sally Carlyle took an extra hour at lunchtime because she said she was nervous about her apartment and wanted to go home to check things. How about Jerry Bartlett?
10: Say, I remember now. What? He came in while you were out, Mr. Fenris, and said he wanted an hour off to attend to some personal business, and I told him it would be all right.
1: So nobody's eliminated. Well, looks as though our first job is to find those letters. But
3: where are you going to look for them?
1: I don't know, Mr. Fenris, but I'm going to start looking just the same. And when I get any information, you can be sure I'll let you know.
3: Miss Bowen, what's the idea of summoning all of us here to Carter's office in this high-handed manner?
10: He has some information for you.
3: He isn't even here.
10: He said he'd be delayed a bit, Mr. Fenris.
3: Delayed? Doesn't he know my time's valuable? Should we go back to the store, Mr. Fenris?
10: You can go back if you like, but I'm staying right here.
3: Oh, you are, are you? We'll see about that.
10: I'm staying, too. Mr. Carter must have had an important reason for asking us to come
3: here. The only thing that's important to me is to find out who's been stealing our fashion design.
10: You mean murder doesn't bother you?
3: Mary Danville was outside the law, Miss Bone. She deserved what she got. Did Carter say how soon he'd be here?
10: I'm sorry. He didn't. Just the same, we'll wait until he gets here. All of us.
3: This is an outrage. We've been here nearly two hours. And I refuse to submit to such treatment any longer. Where is Carter anyway?
10: I'm sure I don't know, Mr. Fenrus. All he said over the phone the last time he called was...
3: I know. He said to tell us to wait. Well, I'm not gonna wait any longer. I'll
10: bet you are. Your curiosity wouldn't let you do anything else.
3: What the devil's he up to, anyway?
10: Oh, Miss Board wouldn't tell, even if she knew, Jerry. Always not to reason why. All just to wait. And...
3: Hi, everybody. Well, it's about time, Carter you realize you've kept us waiting here? Yes, if...
1: Mr. Fenris, I've kept you waiting
3: about two hours. Well, your explanation better be good. I'm a busy man.
1: My explanation's very good. I intended to keep you people waiting here when I called you. Why, of all the colossal nerve. I had to get you here so I could search your homes without being disturbed.
3: You mean you I mean been... I've
1: made a thorough search, Miss Drake, with the full approval of the police department.
3: I'll... I'll have you thrown into jail. I'll have calm you... Calm down,
1: calm down, I... Mr. Fenris. You said the proper way to fight fire was with fire, remember? I confound you. You are interested in results, Fenris. Well, I've got results right here in this package. What's in it? The letters that cost Mary Danville her life, all ready to be turned over to the police. Have you read them? I haven't even examined them. I thought I'd prefer to do that with everyone present. Well, why wait any longer, then? I don't intend to wait. No, I'll take care of this. Nobody's going to frame me.
10: Nick, has got a
0: gun.
1: So I see. Has anyone accused you of anything, Mr. Bartlett? No, nobody's going to. Well, as long as you have that gun in your hand, I suppose you're right. You just keep away from me if you don't want this gun to go off. Now, let's see these letters. Why, they're... They aren't the letters at all. Carter's trying to trick us. Quite right, right, Mr. Fenris. They're fakes. I didn't even look for the letters. What? You, you didn't look for them? No, I didn't. Mr. Fenris, how did you know these letters are fakes? Why, I... You said you'd never seen the letters, and yet you know at once these aren't genuine. How about that? Carter,
3: are you accusing me of something? Yes. I'm accusing you of Mary Danville's murder. That's utterly ridiculous. You don't think I'd steal my own fashions, do you? They aren't your fashions. That's just
1: the point, Fenris. They aren't your fashions. Now, see here. You're president of the store because of your name, because your father founded the business. The money you made stealing those fashions and selling them was probably more
3: than your salary.
10: So Fenris murdered Mary... Then deliberately sent me to her apartment so that if anything went wrong, I'd be the suspect.
3: Miss Drake, don't be a fool.
10: I'm not anymore. I'm getting smart. The rest of us had to check out before we could leave the store, but you didn't. And I'm the only one who knows you weren't around the store at the time of the murder. Nick, that's right. She said Mr. Fenrus was out, so she told Jerry Bartley it would be all right for him to leave. Look,
1: Carter, it may be news to you, but there aren't any letters. There aren't? No. Mary and I worked out that scheme because I thought Fenris suspected me. What scheme? Well, you see, it was like this. I I paid Mary to quit her job and make Fenris that proposition. My professional reputation was at stake, and I thought I could get the fashion thief to show his hand that way. If you knew there weren't any letters, why did you pull that gun? Well, I I got excited, I guess. I knew there weren't any letters, and then when you showed up with a whole bundle of them, I I figured I was being framed with fake letters. I wasn't going to
3: stand for that. Oh, you've all lost your senses. You're leaving that fantastic story about hiring Mary Danville. Look at him with his gun in his hand. Jerry, look out! <coughs> oh, 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 I not quick you... up Bartlett. I know, sir, Don't you... try to get your gun back, not unless you want a slug in the heart. And that goes for all of you.
6: Mr. Fenris, covering the group with the revolver he grabbed from Bartlett, edges his way toward the door of Nick Carter's office.
1: So you thought Mary Danville knew you'd been selling those fashion designs, huh, Fenris?
10: And that's why you killed her.
3: Yes. I thought she was all set to blackmail me for the rest of my life. It's Bartlett's fault that I killed her. Why, you... You can't hang the blame on me, Fenris.
1: And you can't leave this office, either. Try to stop me. See what happens to you. I have a trick lock on the door to prevent just such things. But,
0: Nick... I
1: snapped the secret catch when I came into the room. You'll
3: never be able to find it, Fenris. Thanks for telling me, Carter. In that case, I'll let you find it for me. Oh, no, no dice. You don't have any choice. Get over here and open this door, or I'll blow your head off. Well... I mean it. Okay guess you got me. Get it open. And be quick about it.
1: All right, all right. Take it easy, Fenris. I can't be quick about it. First, you twist the door handle slightly to the
3: left like this. And a full turn to the right like this. Don't try any funny business, Carter. I'm right behind you. And I'm ready to pull the trigger if I have to. I'm sure you are. Now you turn the doorknob to the left again. And open it. Wait. Give me the gun, Fenris. Give it to me before I break your arm. You me. You slammed the door into me. And And I'm going to slam my left fist right into your face if you don't drop that gun. You. All
10: right.
1: I've got it, Carter. All right, good. Hold on to it this
3: time. I didn't want to kill Mary Danville. I thought I had to do it.
10: I'm sorry. I can't sympathize with you.
3: You tricked me, Carter. How did you know? I didn't know, Fenris.
1: Didn't have any idea of who was guilty. But you remember what I said about guilty people running away? But... That's why I arranged this meeting, to give the murderer a chance to try to run away. And it worked.
10: But if there weren't any letters, Nick, if Mary Danville didn't have any letters...
1: There were letters, Patsy, but she didn't have them. The letters were from Fenris to the people who bought the fashion designs from
3: him. Yes. They wouldn't buy unless I gave them something to put them in the clear in case the store ever brought any suits against them. I thought she got hold of those letters in some way.
1: But you
3: acted as though you thought I was double-crossing you. Oh, you had me half crazy. I had to accuse someone, didn't I?
10: And you're still trying to justify yourself, aren't you?
3: The store should have been mine.
1: I only got a small part of what I deserved. Well, starting right now, Fenris, you're going to get more than a small part of what you deserve. You're going to get the works.
6: Nick Carter, Master Detective, is presented each week at this time by the Cudahy Packing Company. It is produced and directed by Jock McGregor and is copyrighted by Street and Smith Publications, Incorporated. Charlotte Manson is featured as Patsy. Today's script was written by George B. Anderson. Original music is played by Henry Silverne. This program is fictional, and any resemblance to actual persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. This is Michael Fitzmorris saying, when minutes count, use new post-war old Dutch cleanser. <laughs> This is the Mutual Broadcasting
7: System. And that's Nick Carter, master detective, with a case of The Quiet Roommate, starring Lon Clark from September 5th, 1948, as heard on Mutual. Let's take a break, then it's more of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important
1: messages.
7: Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next week, it's Let George Do It, the Bing Crosby Show, Now Hear This, The Adventures of Nero Wolf, The Jack Benny Program, and Escape. From my team here at Hollywood 360, thank you all very much for tuning in. Stay safe. We'll see you next time.